Hey guys, I'm Elliot. I am doing my second year of engineering, and please crack open your Bible or your pamphlet to Isaiah 11 and 12, and we'll read together. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Then shall they shall not hurt or destroy in my all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people, from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations, and will assemble the banished of Israel, and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart, and those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall swoop down on the shoulders of the Philistines in the west, and together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall put out their hand against Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites shall obey them. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt, and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath, and strike it into seven channels, and he will lead people across in sandals. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people, as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my strong, and he has become my salvation. With joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that he, his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, 
for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Voices abound in our world. Each one calling out truth. You probably know them, you probably hear them, you probably hear them all the time. Lots of different types of truth, lots of different types of voices. Shouting lots of different types of things. Perhaps you're amongst the ones doing the shouting. Lots of voices, lots of media. Go solar. No, go nuclear. Densify our cities. No, develop our rural areas. Spend on infrastructure. No, save. Political ones. Labor, uh, liberal out, Labor in. Shorten, not Morrison. Left or right? East or West? Putin versus Europe. Britain versus Europe. China versus America. Donald Trump versus... Everyone. <laughs> Shouting voices coming through all sorts of media. Do we trust them? Do we listen to them? Do we believe them? Do we think that they're right? Do we think that they're wrong? Is it true news or fake news? Left or right? Or perhaps the middle is where the truth is to be found. Which is itself problematic, just going with the middle. If the two options are flat earth or round earth, the middle is something a bit weird. Is the middle just a compromise? Can we really know the truth? What voices do we listen to? What media, what do we put our trust in? Isaiah points us in this chapter to a voice. Or to a human, actually. Not a grandiose, pompous, dynastic kingly overlord human with his own media channel or his own media empire but here in chapter 11 of Isaiah we're presented with a humble human a human we're told from Jesse from Jesse you may not even know who Jesse is there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse great King David his father, Jesse, who is little known for anything else apart from being David's father. David, the great King David, isn't mentioned. A shoot from Jesse's stump. Not a grand, tall, Californian redwood or cedar of Lebanon we might expect to see here, but a shoot from a stump. A shoot from a stump, not a dynastic rule, not even the mention of the word king in this whole passage. This humble human is described by his character rather than his heritage. His overriding qualification is that the spirit of the Lord rests upon him. Again and again, the spirit of the Lord rests upon him such that he has 
wisdom. He has understanding, counsel, and might. His overriding delight is in the fear of the Lord. Not the fear of what others think. Not the fear or listening to the voices around him, being swayed by them, but the fear of the Lord. His judgments are not distracted by opinions and appearances. Verse 3, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decides disputes by what his ears hear. Not just listening to the media, but being guided by righteousness. Such that, verse 4, with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. See, this human is actually extending righteousness in his rule, not just locally over his patch, but indeed over the whole earth for the good of the meek of the earth, the, the humble, the poor, those who have little, those who've been disenfranchised. His universal power to bring about change is his universal truth that he speaks. In the next verse, next part of verse 4, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. It's with what comes out of his mouth, with the truth that he speaks, that he'll actually bring justice to the world. Equity for some, destruction for others. It's all about righteousness. That is, setting things right. Setting the world right. That is what all the voices in our world are aiming to do, or is what they're saying they're aiming to do, is make things right. Set the wrongs of the world right. That's what this man seeks to do with the rod of his mouth. Setting things in their right order, just like God did in the creation. When God spoke the creation into order, and he put things in their right order with, in relation to everything else, that was righteousness. Everything in its right place. But humanity, in our sinfulness, in our selfishness, in our desire to put our self in the order of ruling over everything for our own good, introduced sin into the world, which mucked everything up. Again, this spirit-filled man, clothed in righteousness, he has a belt of righteousness around his waist. I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, you may wish to draw that. But he's wearing a, be a belt of righteousness. He sets in order things rightly as he speaks. Speaking sinners into right condemnation and giving them what they deserve. Well, there you go. Where do you stand in that picture? Where do you stand amongst the people that are displayed there? The, the poor, the, the meek, the disenfranchised, the oppressed? Or the rich of the world, as we've seen in Isaiah? 
the ones who actually use their power to put down others and gain that power by the putting down of others. Where do you fit? Are you righteous or unrighteous? Where do you stand? Among the condemned? Um, don't believe your own media. Um, Australians are good at, at listening to our own media. I don't mean our print media, I mean the media within our own heads. As I talk with lots of Australians, most Australians think that they're more on the poor side of things. You know, we quite really have very much. In relation to the world, we're insanely rich. Could it be that our status of wealth has been gained through unrighteousness to others that we're not even aware of? It's because of all manner of unrighteousness that the judgment of God is coming. On all the earth. And he's going to put things right. So much so, that he's going to bring a renovation to the creation. A whole new order, or as um, Aladdin and Jasmine would sing, a whole new world. Some of you have seen that movie. Yeah, good. A whole new total renovation to the creation. And it's envisaged with a change to the food chain. Verse 6. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. Now, it's not explicit in the text, but I take it that the lamb is alive and in one piece, <laughs> lying down next to the wolf. Not a carcass that's just been devoured. <laughs> you get that from the text, don't you? It's the lamb is lying down. It's relaxed. Sheep don't normally lie down. They're normally pretty nervous creatures. Here is one that's next to a wolf, and it's lying down. It's relaxed. It's chilling with his new mate, his newfound friend. Predator and prey are now at play. They're playmates together. Um, vegan the wolf, I guess we could call it. <laughs> and in the next bit, Lentil the lion, eating straw like the ox. Can you imagine it? What a bizarre, bizarre view. Strangely attractive. Of course, if, unless you're given to watching those um, African safaris on YouTube, um, they become very boring now. Because you watch animals lying around together, playing with each other. <laughs> so non-eventful. Leopard and a goat, calf and a lion being led by, by a child. By a little child. Perhaps a little girl who dresses them all up in bows and frills and sits them down to have afternoon tea together because they sip from you know imaginary cups and saucers. Uh, madness! Total renovation of the whole creation. Can you ima imagine? It's meant to blow our minds. It's meant to explode our understanding of reality and just the, the norms that we're used to. That things are the way they are just because they are the way they are. No, they are not the way they are, just because they are that way. There is a reality coming 
God says, where none is hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. A, a reality where conflict is done away with. Even down, perhaps, to the animal level. Can you imagine it? We don't see this now. We don't see it now. We wait for it. Uh, we long for it. But we don't see this now. But it does point to a reality that will come, that is promised, and that we do hope for. And it does even point us how we are to even live now. Um, not that from this passage we should become vegans and vegetarians. Uh, that's not the import of this passage. However, uh, that is because elsewhere God actually gives us food, uh, gives us animals for food. But, after knowing what, where God is taking reality, taking the world, and indeed the way that God has set up the world, we need to minimise hurt and destruction on this side of heaven as much as we can. Even in the way, and especially, well, from this passage, especially in the way that we treat animals. And it's not everything that this passage is about, but it tells us something of God's perspective. And it's hard for us, because for us in our very efficient food chains, food delivery services, we're a long way away from the suffering of the animals that we're actually eating. Um, night by night. I think that's the way, it's what we have. But I think there's a danger, a potential danger in that, that we just don't know what we're actually a part of. Um, we are a part of a system that doesn't let us see the suffering of the very animals that we're benefiting from. I don't know what we do about that. That's what we have. But we need to be aware of it. We need to be aware to actually think about it. In six years' time, the RSPCA will celebrate 200 years of existence. It started in, if you can do the maths, 18... Anyone got it? 24. 24. Daniel, what are you studying, mate? Maths. Yeah. <laughs> in a coffee shop in London. Uh, the name of the coffee shop was actually Slaughter's Coffee Shop. <laughs> the man's name was Slaughter, not because it was a slaughter <laughs> house. Just in 1824, and it was chaired by a man called Buxton, who was a Christian politician. Others in that meeting were William Wilberforce, amongst other Christians, uh, and some who, who weren't Christians. And they were concerned for the treatment and the welfare of working animals and game animals in their country that were being mistreated and abused routinely. And they did it because, they set this up because they were Christians. William Wilberforce, you might know from abolition of slavery fame. The resolution they adopted in 1832 stated that the proceedings of the society were entirely based on the Christian faith and Christian principles. 
and it spawned other movements around the world, including in Australia, the RSPCA. Uh, in New South Wales, the women took the initiative to form the WSPCA, the Women's Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and actually used Isaiah 11 as part of their foundation for their efforts to look after the welfare and treatment of animals. The reality that will be shapes what we, how we think now. And it's, uh, we need to take note of our forebears who've made that sort of thing into an issue and actually taken care of the world. The reality of then shapes what we do now. But it's a reality which is a massive vision of a renovated creation. And it does stand in the future. It's where God is taking the world. But the path where God is taking us is to get there is salvation of the remnant. Now, if you've been with us in Isaiah, you'll know that word remnant means the people that are left, the few that are left after the destruction of the many. And God is going to rescue the remnant. Verse 11, chapter 11. In that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people. From Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elim, and from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. The many places that the people of God were spread to by God's judgment through the nation of Assyria, all those people will be dispersed. Those who are left will be gathered back. The Lord will save that remnant. And it's just like what we read in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I'll read it for you, you don't need to turn there. As Jesus has died and been resurrected to life and now the followers of Jesus are in Jerusalem making known actually they're speaking in tongues at this point the word of the Messiah the word of the resurrected Jesus who's there to listen? devout men from every nation under heaven verse 8 of chapter 2 in Acts how is it that we hear each of us in his own language Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. It overlaps with the nations that Isaiah is talking about. Isaiah is looking forward to the time when in Jerusalem, God's people would hear, the, hear of the Messiah who gathers them together. It's Isaiah's future, but it's actually our past that the root of Jesse will gather, and did gather from all over the world, in Acts 2, those who are being saved. And, remember from looking at the book of Acts, many thousands that were dispersed, uh, of God's dispersed people, were gathered into Christ as they believed the message the spirit-filled righteous judge. But we're included too. Isaiah has in his first view those of the Jewish people of God who have been scattered and been saved through the coming of Jesus. But he, we are caught up in it too. 
And it's all got to do with a song that Isaiah wants to teach. Wants to teach his people. It's a song. It's his media that he wants to broadcast. The truth that he wants made known. It's a song of salvation. It's in chapter 12. Because Isaiah changes his focus from speaking about this great vision for the future to speaking to the remnant that have just been rescued or will have been rescued. So, you will say in that day, this is chapter 12, verse 1, you will say in that day, I give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Isaiah looks forward to that day and says, this is the song that you guys are going to be singing in that day. It's going to be a song of thanks to God because he's actually bringing salvation. His anger has been turned away because of the pouring out of his righteous anger on Jesus, sending Jesus to death instead of these ones who were judged. God's anger is turned away such that the Lord now is my strength and he has become my salvation and the remnant are saved. And then, in turn, the remnant become the media themselves. Verse 4, calling others to give thanks. And you will say in that day, the remnant will say, Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim his name is exalted. That is, those who are saved will actually become the media of speaking out. Not just internal thanks, but speaking out to the nations. Proclaiming amongst all the peoples that his name is exalted. Not shouts of hateful protest or murmurings of discontent, but hearts of thankfulness to a God who has brought salvation from judgment, overflowing into speaking about it to all the peoples of the earth. It's a terrific song, isn't it? It's the song that we sing. That we sing as we overflow in thankfulness and speak to people day by day of the Lord's mercy upon us in gathering even us, in having mercy on us to save us from, self, from judgment. See, the way that you preserve the truth is to speak the truth. The way that you keep the truth alive and keep it as truth is to speak it amongst the nations with great joy in our hearts. And it's our media that we have to make known the message of the spirit-filled, spirit-saturated Saviour, the Lord Jesus. So friends, as we finish up, 
our time this semester and you guys are looking into exams. Some of you are even probably thinking about it now. Things that you have to prepare. Maybe you're even thinking beyond that next couple of weeks into summer and what you'll be doing. And next year, some of you might be off doing other things. You never move beyond being somebody, if you follow the Lord Jesus, whose job is to sing his praises and make it known to all the nations, wherever you go, that the thankfulness that comes from knowing his salvation flows out to the many. Indeed, some of us, quite a few of us, hopefully, will be on NT missions in a few weeks' time in various churches around the place. And this is exactly what we'll be doing. In fact, some of you, in quite a few, will actually be singing songs in real singing voices in shopping centres, singing carols, and doing this very thing. What a great vision it is. What a great message it is that we have. Not just the cacophony of voices, of options, one against another from around the world. But the voice of the spirit-saturated Messiah who rules the world with the rod of his mouth. It's our prayer, uh, the prayer of uh, my own and of our staff team especially, uh, to put that you guys continue on as people who make Jesus known. But I'll also be praying for you over these next couple of weeks that you're actually able to concentrate as well on your studies, uh, not either or in all. I know it's a stressful time for, for some. So we'll be praying for you in amongst all of, the, um, yeah, all of the work that you have to do and praying that you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and making him known. I'm going to pray that now. Father, we thank you for the great vision that you've given us in your word. It's a great vision that Isaiah makes known to us. That the Lord Jesus, who we know now as the spirit-filled saviour, is bringing about a new creation, a whole new order of things. Uh, of, of righteousness and peace. Help us to keep focused on that day and that coming of righteousness and peace in the new creation. And help us now to live rightly in the way that we treat your creation and the way that we speak, that we might speak the praises of the Lord Jesus. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue in prayer, and I think Jemima is going to come and lead us. Um, hi guys, I am Jemima, and I am a first year education student. Um, and we're going to pray now, which is just talking to God. So please join with me. Um, Heavenly Father, we really want to thank you for your word, for revealing yourself to us, and particular. In particular today, uh, through Isaiah, uh, we thank you for faculty Bible studies this semester and the way that um, we've been able to look at this amazing book um, and to see how your plan has come together from the time of Isaiah through to your son Jesus 
And as we see, your will is still revealed to us today, Lord. So we pray that you'll be with us as we finish up for the semester, that we would be able to focus on you through the craziness of exams and of all these final assessments, that we wouldn't be overly anxious, but that we would have an eternal perspective, serving you throughout uh, the busy times and the stress. We thank you uh, for our graduating students, for the way that you have faithfully worked through them while they have been here with us, and for the training and opportunities that they have been given. Uh, and we do ask that uh, you would be with them in the following weeks and years, that they would continue to serve you and to faithfully proclaim your gospel in all circumstances of their life, Lord. Uh, and as it is a time of big change and of readjusting everything, we pray that they would be really relying on you for their strength and for their comfort, uh, not of anything of their own, uh, for stability, but you. Um, and finally, Lord, we do pray for the students at the Uni Fellowship of Christians at Tasmania University. And we ask that their final public gathering would be an awesome time where new students would be able to hear your word preach faithfully and they would be able to respond uh, accordingly to that message, Lord. All this we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.